0: Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. We're going to continue on with our series in um, Colossians this week. So last week I kind of did a little bit of preaching. That was a little bit of kind of dialed it back a little bit for me. i got, got to work it out in my system, so I'm back to teaching this week. Um, So that'll happen from time to time. Just got to work it out. So appreciate you dealing with me last week. Um, But we're going to move on to Colossians chapter 2. Paul wraps up chapter 1 by kind of telling people that he wants them to mature in their relationship. And we'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, But I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2. That's the 10 verses we're going to be kind of focused on this week. Uh, I'll read them out loud in your hearing. You can follow along quietly in your notes, all right? I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. And from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So this week, <clears throat> um, we're only gonna draw I'm only gonna draw your attention to two things in your notes, okay? So just two sections of things I want to talk about in this passage, okay? And the first is number one in your notes. The church in Laodicea. Um, The church in Laodicea. Now, uh, Laodicea um, is a city near the city of Colossae. Remember, this book is to the church in Colossae, the Colossian church, and the city of Laodicea is very close to it in our modern-day area of Turkey. Okay? So um, what I want to do is I want to talk about what happens to that church because Paul references it here. I want to talk about what happens to that church historically, and throughout Scripture, and then I want to. Um, uh, so I want to give you a little bit of history about what these guys are about. Okay. So, the next line of your notes: the church, this church, the church in Laodicea, is only mentioned in two books of the Bible: Colossians and anybody else know that one? Revelation. Revelation. There you go. Tia gets a star on the board today, class. <laughs> um, good job, Revelation. Uh, scholars believe, next line of your notes, that Epaphras, E-P-A-P-H-R-A-S, Epaphras, also started this church. I say also started this church because Epaphras is from the city of Colossae. He got saved first and planted this church in, Coloss- in, in for, for the, the city of Colossae. And it is believed that he went next door to Laodicea and started a church. Think um, Uh starting a church in phoenix and then just going over to glendale and starting one there Okay, so really close proximity to each other next line Laodicea was noted as being a wealthy city during the roman period a wealthy city during the roman period This is how it was wealthy next line in your notes. The city was located on major trade routes that connected it to other important cities. It was also a center of the textile production and banking. Textile production and banking. Okay. So let's draw this picture here of Laodicea. Okay. So Laodicea is established here. And it's this wealthy city. Like, they got the cash flowing. Okay. Their, their, their culture is... Um, very trade-oriented, very agriculture-based. They did have gold and silver and some coins to use to, like, buy things. But mainly what they were doing is that you would produce, like, a bag, and I would produce, you know, a sling or a staff, and we would trade. I'll give you three of those slings for three of your bags or whatever. They would do trade like that, okay? So this, uh, this city was on a major trade route, so they were making things and shipping them out or putting them on caravans that would go to these other cities, and they were trading with these other cities because they were one of the main hubs for textile production and banking okay This leads scholars to think that the people in the church were also wealthy you got a lot of people in the church who are getting saved who are who are wealthy who are um, they have businesses they're trading with other people and they've accumulated uh, accumulated material wealth <clears throat> okay so Let's push pause right there for a second and I want to remind you something about the Roman Empire Okay next on your notes. The goal of the Roman Empire was peace and calm not justice peace and calm not justice Okay We hear a lot in America about justice Equality, doing the right thing, our rights. This was not the case in Rome, not even remotely close. They conquered you in battle, or they walked in and said, uh, we're bigger and stronger than you. Are you really going to fight? No. Okay, we're just going to occupy your area. And so that's how the, 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 the Roman Empire spread. Was they were so big, so strong, so well-funded, that, and they were so brutal that they would just walk in and take whatever they wanted. Their goal was for you, the, c- the civilian, to not stir up any trouble. If you would just live by their rules, you just do what they say, you just follow along, let us be up here, you could kind of stay in the middle, then everything will be fine. But as soon as you start riling up a whole bunch of people, we are going to come down swift and hard. Um there's throughout history we'll find these little um rebellions of these Jewish people that would rise up and they would find the leader, the, the Romans would find the leader and be like, He's the leader? Yeah, kill him. Well, that's not fair. They didn't care. Why? Their job, or their what their goal was not to have justice. Uh, You know with liberty and justice for all right that does not exist for them They wanted to just live their life as the rulers at the as the kind of elites of the time and everybody else to stay calm Just do what we say and it'll be fine You're going to pay some more taxes But no one's gonna come in here and conquer you again because you're with us So just chill out. They were trying to keep the peace It's one of the reasons they were willing to crucify Jesus Why? Because all these people were saying he's the son of God, no, he's not. These people were arguing and yelling back and forth, and they were causing this big upheaval. And they're like, "Look, man, just stop it! How do we stop it?" And they just snip it at the bud. They would, they would, they were quick to torture, imprison, and put some people to death just to keep things calm. Okay, that's the type of people we're dealing with. <clears throat> so, a um, little history lesson here for you: the the Romans made a peace agreement that was very extensive with some of the nations that they wound up conquering. They wrote down a couple of things and said, we're going to give you something like throw you a bone. If you'll just keep calm, we'll let you do something that you do not force you completely into our way of life. We'll let you just keep a little of your own tradition, but stay calm or we'll take it away. This was called the Pax Romana. Meaning Roman peace, so next on your notes, as part of the Pax Romana, the, Ro- the Roman peace agreement, cities heavily populated with Jews were exempt from worshiping the Roman emperor. they were exempt from worshiping the Roman emperor. Christians were grandfathered in as long as they were seen as a spinoff underneath Judaism. <clears throat> so the Roman army walks in and says, Hey guys uh We're going to, we've occupied your land, we've conquered your land, and we want to keep the peace. Um, Typically, what would happen is when a Roman emperor would die, somebody, you know, kind of in the government would be like, you guys have no idea how powerful this man was, and they would announce him as a god. You didn't know it, but we had a god among us. There was a God that was leading Rome, and no man can lead Rome. It has to be divine because we're so strong, we're so powerful, we're so arrogant. But these guys, we're going to announce them after they die that they are gods, and everybody had to pay homage, pay tribute, and worship the dead Roman emperors. But since the Jews were kind of a small group of people, not super powerful, not a big area of land that they were, that they were in, uh, occupying and their, their nation wasn't very big. The Romans said, okay, to keep the peace because that's what they're about. You guys can still worship your God and not the Roman emperor. We'll give you that one. We'll throw you a bone. Just keep calm. So they were given, in essence, religious freedom. You don't have to worship the emperor. You can worship your God. And the people said, well, what about Christianity? You're like, well, isn't that people who worship a Jew who said he was God? Like, it's kind of underneath the umbrella of Judaism. It's fine. So they had several decades in a row of religious freedom. The Pax Romana was uh, instituted 20 years before Christ was born and lasted after 100 years after he died. They had a window there. They had several decades in that window where they had religious freedom. They were allowed to worship their God. And since Christianity was viewed as an offshoot like this little tiny little branch, yeah, that's fine. We'll just let you, those guys do it too. They had a moment right there of freedom, okay? This includes Laodicea, Laodicea has a bunch of money. They're doing well, they're moving along here. They have this agreement where they can worship God how they want to, and now they're moving down the line here in life, and they're, they're in their businesses, they're developing money, they're doing trade with people, they're worshiping freely, and then the emperor dies, and a new emperor comes into, into power. His name was Domitian. Like, we're going on Domitian to Mars. Like kind of like that, right? But um, bam, got your dad joking. Um, so his name was D-O-M-I-T-I-A-N, but it sounds like Domitian, okay? I even Googled this and, and like played it several times to make sure I'm like, that sounds like Domitian. Um, but anyway, anyway, that's how he pronounced his name. He became the Roman emperor, and he announced himself as a living god. He said, man, they're, they're saying all the emperors are gods after they die. Bump that. I'm going to do it now, because I'm a Roman emperor. You guys are just going to worship me while I'm alive. These guys are saying all these good things and doing all these good things after these guys are dead. I want that now. Now, either he had little man complex, was wildly arrogant, or incredibly insecure. My guess is probably all three. There's a blend right there of all three, right? If you're going to walk up, can you imagine Joe Biden? Everyone, I am a living God. And people will be like, that's just in line with all other crazy stuff you've been saying lately, right? You're nuts, right? We'd be like, bro, get away from me. That's exactly what this guy did. So as time went on, the number of Gentiles being saved and joining the church in Laodicea increased dramatically. And they greatly outnumbered the Jewish believers. Okay, so what was, what was the rule? All you Jews, just the Jewish people, small people, kind of weak Not a lot of you you're allowed to to worship your God however you want to but all of a sudden these Gentiles start Becoming believers. They start getting saved and the and the church that's gathering is no longer mostly Jews. It's mostly Gentiles So when they made that agreement, it was the Jewish people and this little thing of Christianity down here now It's this growing thing of Christianity and the small little thing of Judaism and so it's flipped on its end And Domitian walks in and says, "Uh, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to change this agreement. So next of your notes, this led to Domitian revoking their exemption. Remember, they were exempt. They didn't have to worship. They didn't have to worship the the emperor. They could worship their God. Now, Domitian, on top of saying, I am God, anybody who had an exemption that didn't have to worship, I'm taking that away, too, to make sure I get all of y'all worshiping me. I can't just have 99% of you. I want all 100%. So in essence, they had religious freedom, and then they lost it. Those who refused to participate in the worship of the mission as God were threatened with death. So here's the church in Laodicea moving along, just, you know, going on throughout life, doing their business, you know, trading with people, making money, helping others, worshiping God, and here comes the mission, and he puts an end to all of that, and now this thing that was moving all in a nice rhythm now has taken a crazy turn, and now if you don't worship him, you're risking your own life. The citizens were unable to participate in the economy unless they followed the rules to worship the emperor how am i going to enforce people worshiping me i'm going to attack the thing that's most precious to them what we're known for which is money and i'm going to say you're not going to even be able to keep this if you don't do all of these things in your business i'm not going to let you keep it You're not going to be able to trade anymore unless you do all these things that worship me. The church is put into a very difficult position. Next on your notes. They could worship the emperor and maintain their wealth or reaffirm their faith in Christ and potentially lose everything. Anybody else feel that little bit of tension right there? What are we going to do? This all happens in 81 AD. because This is when Domitian comes to power. So sometime after 81 AD is when all this happens. But Paul writes the letter to the Colossians between 61 and 64 AD. 15 to 20 years prior to them getting to this point. He writes what we just read to the church in Colossae and the church in Laodicea and says, hey, whether it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it's just by life experience, whether it's by wisdom. He looks ahead and says, hey, there might come a point where you're not going to be able to rely on this money anymore. All this smooth sailing you got. You're allowed to buy and sell and trade and worship how you want to and gather where you want to. You have all these opportunities to keep doing this, but there's no guarantee this is going to last forever. Look at what he says. Let's go back and read verses 1 through 3. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. He's looking at the Colossian church and realizing they're dealing with all this new age new spirituality stuff that we talked about he's looking at laodicea and going man these guys are dealing with wealth with material possessions that's what their culture is about and i'm looking down the road at how hard this is going to get for you and there's a possibility that this gets really rough and i am agonizing for you and for the church at laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally i want them to be encouraged and knit together by their wealth by their new level of spirituality? No, I want them to be knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's telling them 15 to 20 years before they wind up losing their freedom, Hey, right here, we need to set the foundation straight before we get into crazy times. We need to build this foundation, not on this weird new age stuff, not on this new spirituality, not about getting in touch with the universe, none of that, and not putting our trust in our wealth, in our possessions, in our material possessions, none of that. I want us to be knit together by love, remember to keep our focus on God pursue him because in him lie all treasures and knowledge and wisdom he's reprioritizing their list of important things in their life if you got money and this new age spirituality up here let's knock that down let's put Christ as the center like we talked about last week let's put Christ as the center let's put um let's maintain our focus on him And make sure that we understand there is no big mystery out there. All of the mysteries, all the knowledge, all the wisdom lies in Jesus himself. He's setting this, he's setting these priorities for them. He's concerned about the terrible position that they're going to be put in. And Paul is giving them guidance very early to keep their focus on Christ and pursue his wisdom. Now, And you come down here, he gave them warnings, not knowing this was coming. But when we came down here, what happened to the church in Laodicea? Did they choose their money or did they choose God? Many believers, next line of your notes, compromised and gave in to the demands of the emperor, causing the Lord to rebuke them in the book of Revelation. Jesus himself rebukes them in the book of revelation i did not realize before getting to my study that this passage that i've heard a lot in my life quoted was actually jesus talking to the church at laodicea you'll be you'll if you've been in church longer than a few months you probably recognize what i'm about to read okay revelation 3 14 through 17 and then 19 write this letter to the angel or messenger of the church of laodicea This is the message from the one who is the amen the capital a that's jesus the faithful and true witness the beginning of god's new creation Here's what he's telling them. I know all the things you do That you're neither hot or cold I wish that you were one or the other but since you're lukewarm like lukewarm water neither hot or cold I will spit you out of my mouth You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing don't you realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? And then verse 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. From that right there, from that statement, the Lord's rebuking them for being not hot or cold, but walking in the middle. What are they doing? They're compromising little emperor worship over here don't want to lose my business don't want to lose my car well camel i guess not car there but like i don't want to lose my mo- animals or mode of transportation i don't want to lose any of that but i want to be over here and be down with jesus because i don't want to go and spend eternity away from him and then oh but i got to come over here and do a couple little weird things but i don't really mean it but i'm just going to do it and then over here, so they're going back and forth Emperor worship, God worship. Emperor worship, God worship. Culture, God. Culture, God. What am I going to submit to? They're submitting to culture. They're submitting to God. They're going back and forth, back and forth. And Jesus himself says, hey, that makes me nauseous. Be all in with me or all out with me. Don't try to walk in both places because if that's how you're going to do it, I'm just going to spit you right out of my mouth. That's, that's gross to me. Paul follows up that warning right here. He follows up that warning with these words, verse 4 and 5. I'm telling you all this, the stuff we just said, that I want you to be bound with love. I want to reprioritize the things that are important to you. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. Okay, now look. Right here, Paul says what? I rejoice that your faith in Christ is strong. Checkmark. Here's a star on the board for y'all. I'm looking at what you've done, and this is really good. You were following God. How did they get from following God... In 61 to 64 A.D. with an apostle going, you're doing great, all the way down here where Jesus has to rebuke them less than 20 years later. They began to compromise on what they knew was right. Next on your notes. Paul doesn't mention this as a passing statement. He is dealing directly with the justification, the justification of compromise in the Colossian and Laodicean church. Here's what I want you to know Conversations of compromise are not new to believers in Jesus. This is happening all the way back then, the beginning of the church. In this time to this time, 61, 64 AD to 81 AD, what happens right here? What happens during that time frame this pops up with the mission and his new his new um arrangements about people having to worship him and then conversations in the church start to happen amen what are you going to do about this whole demission thing i mean i got a business you got a business it's how we feed our family I mean, what are you going to do like he wants us to do all these things that are completely opposite of scripture to show that we're worshiping him and I got I'm coming here, but Do I really got to lose everything Bro, I've been thinking the same thing. I got a business. I got all this stuff I got all this the material wealth that I need and Does God want me to lose all of that? I mean he wants me to be blessed, right? That's the American part, sorry. This is not, I'll stay with the classroom part. He wants me, look, last month, I fed those five families because their crops weren't very good the last couple months. I'm doing good with the money. Bro, me too. Remember when that big storm came through and washed out that person's house? They stayed with me for the next six weeks until we went and me and my kids and my family, we went and helped them build their house back up. Man, I'm helping all these people with that money. I'm helping all these people. I'm giving to these things. I'm doing all this stuff. Does God really want me to lose that? That conversation is not recorded here. But those types of conversations are how you get from I'm celebrating your faith to God saying I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're not with me or against me. You are half and half in and out. Those types of conversations, bro, if I stand up for this, I'm going to get pounded. If I speak up about this that's happening in the church, not even in the world, just in the church, people are going to make fun of me. They're going to put my name online. They're going to call me all kinds of crazy things, and it's not true. Does God really want me to go through that? How do I know that this is happening today? <clears throat> I, um, r- I ran across a viral video of a guy who calls himself a pastor, a minister, uh, called himself a Christian. And he is living an openly homosexual lifestyle as a believer. And if you're a believer, then Scripture is very clear that's not the way to live you have attractions that's one thing but acting on it is a complete another thing and so he announces to people that you know and it's very well known that he's you know he's practicing homosexual and in the ministry then he says on this viral video jesus wants you if you're someone who's a believer not just in the world but a believer in christ Wants you to announce your homosexual um, tendencies to other believers. Wants you to announce it to your church. And people are like, What are you talking about? He goes, Let me show it to you in the Bible. He goes to the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus died. We all know that. He comes to the tomb and he rolls away the tomb. And what does Jesus say to Lazarus? Lazarus, come out. We know that that's not what he's saying. We know that Jesus is like, no, walk from in the tomb out here so people can see you're alive. But he doesn't do that. He takes the come out phrase in our modern terminology and says, see, Jesus wants you to come out of the closet. Come out of hiding. Come out of your secret life. Just come out and celebrate it because Jesus is telling you to come out because he's love, man. Now, we're all looking at that going, you got to be kidding. You know how many people underneath those that video were like mind blown. This is oh my gosh, so profound. People were like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is I've never seen it like that before." Right, because it's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going, then it went viral. Because you will find somebody to tell you what you want to say. You will find someone who will justify You compromising what you know is the right thing to do. There are conversations that will happen, maybe not in a viral video, but with people that will say, hey, are you doing this too? We're good, I'm with you. And we're justifying our compromise because we found somebody else so we're not alone. This is what's happening to the church in Laodicea. What we have to remember at this point is there are thousands of skilled preachers. A lot of them are not in the pulpit. There are preachers. There's people who can turn a phrase, who can motivate you, who can make, can make me go, man, that's good. Woo, stand up and give you that. Hmm, that's good, right? Like in a church service, right? There's a lot of people who can talk that talk, and they can say things in a way that will give you goose goosebumps, or chicken skin or goose pimples, whatever you call it. It will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and be like, man, that was good. But just because they can preach doesn't mean we should receive what they say. Let me take that another step further. Just because someone's got ability to sing doesn't mean we should accept their message. Just because someone has the ability to do something publicly in front of everybody else doesn't mean that because they're good at what they do, what they're saying is right. Next line in your notes, something that sounds good isn't always good. Y'all should thank me that I just decided to bypass my very gross analogy for that. (laughs) I'll tell it to you later. (laughs) You can try to take, remember the old, um, what is that movie uh, with the umbrella of the lady who flies? Um, uh, the, there you go. Uh, what is it? Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine down. If I can give you just a little something sweet, it'll help you digest something that you would normally reject. Just because someone preached it up and riled up the crowd, and we're jumping and hollering and clapping and screaming and yelling, doesn't mean that what they said was true. Because just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it is good. This happens throughout history. Next line of your notes. Eventually, outside cultural pressures will come to the church, and believers will be confronted with the idea of compromise to survive. So what will we do if those those days wind up on our doorstep? Matt, we still have religious freedom at the moment. We can still gather together and not worry about it. We can freely come in the home and not worry that somebody saw us or that there's some drone flying overhead taking our picture like they do in China to try to identify the ones who are believers to try to flush them out and actually imprison or murder them. This is happening all over the world. Just because we have the freedom to do it right now doesn't mean that it's going to last forever. Just because we have not lived in a nation that ha- hasn't had these privileges revoked and we haven't been put in the same position that these people in these other nations have been put into doesn't mean that it's not coming. I'm not telling you that it is. I'm saying that if we We are right here. We're running our business. We're working. We're not worried about if if people don't like if we're a Christian. They can't get us really fired for that. I mean, maybe on an off chance if it's, you know, not public. But most of the time, that's not going to work. 99% of the time, you're not losing your job for professing Christ. You're not losing your business. You're not having the government tell you, unless you perform these type of weddings, you can't gather anymore yet. But these guys had no idea that was coming until there was a new leader. They had no idea that this, this smooth sailing that they had going on and all the things that they were doing, they had no idea that was going to come to an end. And when, because they were unprepared for it, they fell apart and compromised. I can only think in a similar way that God is communicating to us through his word, hey, we're right here. It's going good right now. But there's a possibility, no guarantees, maybe it all gets better. I don't think so, but maybe it does. Maybe it gets better, or maybe we should prepare now, prioritize now, put things in place now, put put the, the list of our important things in place now, and make sure Jesus is at the top of that so that we're prepared when this day comes. God forbid we would ever get here. But if it came there, are we going to compromise when things are good? Then we're definitely going to compromise when the crap hits the fan. Here's the good news for the church in Laodicea Jesus called them out in Revelation, and they repented. They outlived Domitian. And in the last several years, archaeologists uncovered more than 20 Christian chapels in the city of Laodicea. More than 20. The largest building that they uncovered that was a church was the size of an entire city block. It is believed that that is the church That Paul was writing to with the Colossians. If you have compromised in any area of your faith because you were put in this crazy position and didn't know which way to go, and I didn't want to lose this, and I I don't want to lose this friend or lose this opportunity, want this door to close. If you've done that, I understand. Many people have been put in positions to compromise and if I went down a list and walked you through your life, we would probably find multiple instances where every one of us in some way, shape, or form, maybe not with money, maybe not in the new age, but in some way, shape, or form, we have compromised to be accepted by the culture. What we see in Laodicea is there's grace for you. Because why? They outlived and went from one congregation that was meeting to more than 20. And that's just the ones they found now. The second thing I want to draw our attention to in this passage, number two in your notes, <clears throat> is let your roots grow. Let your roots grow. This particular passage is one of Roots Community Church's foundational passage, Ephesians chapter 3, and this verse in Colossians 2 and now just as you accepted christ jesus as your lord let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and spiritual powers of this world rather than from christ for in christ lives all the fullness of god in a human body if you have been here for any length of time, this next part of your notes is going to be a um, boring repeat for you, this next line. But it is the truth, and it is what, how we will always teach you to live. Believers, our roots are to grow directly into Jesus. Our lives are to be built on Christ. They are not to be built on the church. It's not to be built on the pastor, the worship leader, the elders, the deacons, the, the uh, children's pastor, any staff member that holds a title. If your faith relies upon them, your roots are in the wrong place. You are supposed to grow roots into Christ. When we gather, we're supposed to feed that soil to feed you so those roots grow deeper into him. I want to, I'm not saying that these words have any specific meaning other than how they're presented, but I want you to be very careful in your life. If you're ever not here, or if you hear me start talking like this, to be like, uh, hey bro, you, you said you weren't going to be talking like this you got to be very careful in church settings when the leadership demands your loyalty to this house. It demands your involvement at this house. Anybody ever heard them phrases before? I have. I just want this house to grow. I want to be about what's going on in this house. Not family, like a spiritual house, like, a, like, the, church, like the church building. I want to caution you when you hear that because I can't find anywhere in here that I'm supposed to be loyal to this house or that house. My loyalty, my foundation, my roots have to be with Jesus. And if I, as a pastor or a leader or as your brother in Christ, abandon that, you should abandon me. You should not come here anymore if I abandon the fact that I want your loyalty to me or what we're doing over your loyalty to Jesus. Your roots have to go into him. I want, to notice, I want you to notice one other thing, <clears throat> or something else in this passage. The very first sentence of uh, uh, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I, I was raised in a, in a ministry environment where salvation was the end goal. That's all I'm about, is trying to get people to recite the sinner's prayer after me. That's not a thing either. That's another subject for another day. Next, sign of your notes. Salvation is not the end goal. It is the starting point. Getting someone saved does not get them across the, st- the, the finish line. It gets them to move from death to life, and your life has just begun. There is so much in front of you. There is so much adventure. There is so much to do. There is so, there is so much um, intriguing uh, uh, journey that you're going to have to go through in growth and development and mistakes and forgiveness and grace and celebration and mourning. There's all of these things that you have to go live for but you have not lived until you have been moved from death to life and that comes from faith in Christ alone. Maturing in our faith, growing in our relationship with Christ That is what it means to continue on after salvation. So now I want to ask a real basic question. It's the next line of your notes. What does it mean to deepen your relationship with Christ? What does that mean? People have heard, you probably heard that said a lot from us. The youth has heard that, obviously, in youth service. You've heard us say things like that. Um, What does it really mean to deepen your relationship with Jesus? What does that mean? Anybody have any idea? Just shout it out for me. What does that actually mean it's good we're teaching on this then here we go um what that means is we get to know jesus in a more intimate way we know things about him we didn't know before so nina and i have been married 23 years this past may okay 23 is the number of michael jordan the greatest basketball player ever to live don't bring me that lebron garbage at all even though he's a Laker and I'm a Laker fan, that's, man, I just jumped off on that. My bad. I just got, ooh, just kind of came out. Um, anyway, um, my wife and I have been married 23 years, right? And I know her today far better than when we first met. I know what she likes, what she doesn't like, what ticks her off, what doesn't tick her off. Sometimes I don't know but most of the time I know like these like I know <laughs> Sergio's like <laughs> Great, I got you. But most of the time I understand what it is. Most of the time I understood what I've done, how to correct it, what not to do, when to speak, when not to speak. I'm still trying to figure out that a little bit, but I don't think I'll ever really put my finger on it completely. But at some point in time, like I know the majority of the time what's going to make her mad, what's going to frustrate her, all of that. I know all about her childhood. I know the good, the bad, the indifferent. I know the stuff that she's wept about, the things she laughs about. I know which relatives she doesn't want to talk to, which ones she does want to talk to. I know when we go to places. And I go, oh is this the one? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I want to punch you in the nose, but I won't because you don't know I know everything that she told me right like I know all these intimate details about my wife Now let's pretend for a second That somebody comes to me and says that lady that was singing today. Yeah at church. Yeah Me and her go way back Really? Really? How do you know her well? Me and Nina, <laughs> Nina, we, we were good friends growing up. Oh, you and Nina were. Yeah, Nina Pule. Nina Pule. <laughs> like, do you even know who you're talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 we go way back. We, we went to school together in Carolina. You mean California? Yeah, that's what I meant. And then she took me back to her village of Somalia. <laughs> hey, do you mean Samoa? That's what I said. And while we were there on the, at the village, she took me to the biggest amusement park on the island. Um, that's like a step above a third world country. They don't have no amusement park there. Where did you go and who are you talking about? Because you sure as I can talking talk about my wife. How did you know her? Me and Nina. I mean, well, first of all, it's Nina. And our last name is like just flat English redneck pool. It's not like some French dessert. Bring me a creme brulee or whatever, right? It's not like that. It's not like some some eclair that I got from the, the specialty shop down the store. No, you don't know anything about her, do you? When we move from knowing about someone vaguely to an intimate relationship, everything we know about them changes. And if you're somebody, none of you in this room, but if you're somebody who claims to know Jesus but just know a little bit of things about him and you keep getting it all wrong and you've said you've been knowing him for a long time, my guess is you've heard about him, but you have not moved past the point of maturing and understanding what he he likes. I saw a presidential candidate, I will not name his name, although I want to, I saw a presidential candidate about 20 years ago be invited to a church where they asked him questions because he's professing faith. They they invited him and and everybody from a certain party on one day and another party the next day, and they just there's thousands of people in the audience, so they just interviewed him. And this guy goes, they asked this guy, (laughs) they said, "Uh, tell us about your relation relationship with God, how to get started, you know, how does how's it impacted your life? And he did just like this. I love the lowert. And I have always walked with the lowered when I was young my mom took me to church and they told me about the lowered and as he kept going I was like D- somebody stop it because he obviously don't know Jesus if your whole thing is the lowered like that's, that's like Nina like you don't really know them Right. You don't really know them, because if you knew them and had a relationship with them, you would understand that when you say Jesus to someone who's walked with walked with him for a long time, there's something in you that just crumbles. There's an old guy that I used to work with when I was a youth pastor in Florida. His name was Asa. He's long, long past dead. He was like I think he was like late 70s back in the mid 90s. So he's gone. But I would look at this man, and I was in that mode of like, we got to do something great. We got to get popping. We got to get concerts in here. We got to do all these big events. And I would look at that man, and he'd open his Bible, and I'd be like, What are you reading about, Asa? And he'd go, I'm just reading about Jesus. And he would just crumble and cry. And I'd be like, That's cool, but I got stuff to do. Because I hadn't walked with him through all the things that that man had walked with him through because he knew him like I didn't. In my ignorance in my first year of ministry school, someone asked me, um, I want you to pray a bold prayer. And so my prayer was, and I told the the gentleman this, there's an older gentleman who was a part of our program, and I said, I want the relationship you have with God by the end of this this year. And he chuckled. I'm like, what? You told me to pray bold. And he goes, you're not going to know the Lord like I do until you've walked through some of these things with him. Having a relationship with Christ means I've been through some things in life with him. I have learned what pleases him. I've learned what grieves him. I've learned how to trust him. I've learned how to follow him. I've learned how uh, to define my purpose and his gigantic will. I have learned his desires. I've developed a closeness with him. And at the beginning of my life, when I was just following Christ, I started with that. I want to get to that point. Having a relationship with Christ means I am intimately involved and connected to him. Do you see why having roots in a church is ridiculous when that is what your goal is supposed to be? Roots with him. We are supposed to be a blessing, serving one another, being there for each other, in auxiliary. We are not the main course. He is everything. And our roots got to be in him. The last thing that Paul says before we wrap up here today is, I want to give you a warning not to let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. The next line in your notes is the definition of that word, capture. It means to gain possession or control of, to attract and hold. To gain possession or control of, to attract and hold. He's saying, do not listen to the people who sound good like we talked about earlier. Don't fall into things that sound good. Don't let those attract you and capture your heart and your mind where you begin to distort the way you see the truth because, my friends, any truth that has been distorted is an idol. When you disfigure the truth, it becomes a pagan god. Don't be caught up with someone else's gift. Be caught up with their message. Your last sign on your notes is where do these empty philosophies come from? Human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world. And I don't know about you, but it's been my experience that when you follow only human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world, they end in destruction 100% of the time. Why? Because they end away from Jesus.